You're listening to the Church of Life and Praise podcast. If you'd like more information about our ministry, please visit us at churchoflifeandpraise.com or check us out on Facebook. Our prayer is that you would come to know Jesus in a deeper way. Now, enjoy the message. Got to see some old cronies. Those that uh, I didn't recognize anymore. I went to a I went to what was two years ago supposed to be a 50th uh, high school reunion, um, and then COVID hit and they canceled. I was so disappointed, and uh, then they said, "Hey, you know everybody's going to be turning 70 either last year or this year. We'll just have a 70th birthday party instead." I said, "I'm in," <laughs> and uh, my wife was nice enough to say, "Okay." You know how it is. She doesn't know anybody at those places. But she was willing to travel and go, and uh, we just had a wonderful time. We got to stop in St. Louis and see her her non-biological sister, the uh, sister by another mother. And uh, uh, we stayed there a couple of days, took Amtrak from St. Louis to Kansas City, went through the back ways, and got to see uh, some of the countryside. Um, And then I got to see Kansas City. You think, what the heck is in Kansas City? Well, what can I say? That's where I grew up. A lot of wonderful things. It's the city of fountains. Fountains everywhere. All kinds of fountains. And uh, a lot of history. A lot of wonderful history. And and I have a cousin there that uh, is more like a brother than a cousin because he lived with us for... Uh, several years, and uh, it was just good to reconnect with family. So for that, I thank you for allowing me to go away for a bit. And uh, it's always good to come home. It's always good to come home because there is no church like this that worships like this, that loves God in a depth like this. And uh, it's just good to be home. Uh, in the midst of prayerful warriors that have a passion for God. You know, there are a lot of people who go to church. I went to church for years. I've been to church all my life. But I didn't know God. A lot of people out there go to church and they don't know God. And uh, they don't know they don't know God. They just know of God. They don't know God. And there's a huge difference. And I met God in a Baptist Church, he, he nailed me uh, right between the eyes on a, on a message, and I thought, my Lord, how did that preacher know that? You know, God just does that kind of stuff, and uh, drew me close to him in a, in a very, very wonderful way, and as I said earlier, and then I found that there was more than, than what I found in that Baptist Church. Because my mother was starting to go to a different church, and I had left a, a previous church that talked a good gospel. They talked of Jesus, but not as a personal savior. And then she went to a church that that prayed for people, and they got healed. And she knew that I needed healing from an accident I'd had in high school football, and. Uh, I was studying for a test and said, this is more important. You have to understand, when my mom spoke, <laughs> we listened, right? And so I said, she said, God will take care of that test. And I went and, and these people, you know, we were in church and these people did this. And they, I thought, Lord. <laughs> You know, and I and and I and I just sat there, right? And uh, and then they had this 
this healing going on. They, it was a, uh, specifically for healing that evening. They were going to be healing. It was a Wednesday night service. So uh, I say, anybody want healing? And I said, that's me. Come on up here and sit down. And they gathered around me, and they prayed for me, and God touched me and changed my life. And he'll change yours, too. And, uh, and then God spoke to me, and he says, I want you to go to Maine. After I got out of college, I want you to go to Maine. Because this is where my mother was from. And uh, we had visited here, and God spoke to me and said, Go. Leave your family, leave your cousin, leave your uncle, leave your future, and go to Maine. And so I did. And I came up over the, the course of uh, the 95 on uh, Kittery, on that bridge. God spoke to me and said, this is where I want you. And leave anything behind. So my, my uncle owned a machine shop. You know, as I found out, when I visited my cousin, the machine shop grew from probably about 15 people that were there when I was working for him, because I was working nights and weekends while I was going to school at the shop. And after I graduated in December, it was that following March that I left. So that was three months, roughly, working full-time there. And I announced that I needed to go. Mongo said, he said, just take a hiatus. I didn't even know what hiatus was. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, I can't. I said, God's calling me to go to Maine. And I said, and I don't know for how long. He said, well, if you stay, he said, your cousin and you will own the shop. He said, I want you to be, become a, a partner. And I said, I can't. Because I don't know how long God wants me in me. And then he spoke to me. So here I am, 50 years later. be 50 years March the 15th this coming year so 49 and a half that I've been in Maine I didn't feel like I was giving up anything because I had a goal I didn't know what it was but I had a goal God filled me with the Holy Ghost the night before I left Kansas City to come to Maine in a little old house, beautiful people, had a Bible study, and uh, my mother was there, spirit-filled, and they said, come, just, we know you have a lot to do, I know you're going to go see some friends, you got to pack, but when you get done packing, she said, come by, and we'll pray for you. So, I did. The power of God was so strong. I was driving away in this cute little Toyota Celica and uh, stick shift. It was wonderful. Had the window down, and I was just praising God. 
one hand on the steering wheel, the other hand, same hand on the gear shift, right? And I was just worshiping God, and God filled me with the fluency of the Holy Spirit as I was driving. He's that kind of God. He's done so many things for me in my life. I can't think of anything bad that's happened to me because God's taking care of all those things. But he's given me the opportunity today to, to present something to you that is life-changing if you follow, if you follow it. It's life-changing. Life-changing. And... Uh, So I, so I ask you this question. What, what are you looking for in your life? What are you looking for your life to be? What's it, what's it look like? What's your future look like? Do you have any plans? Do you have any goals? Do you have any thoughts? Because it's important that you have a future in mind. You have to have an understanding of where you're heading. What does God talk to you about in your prayer time? Is he talking to you? Do you give him time to be able to let him speak to your heart, direct your moves? You have to have goals. You have to have desires. You, you can't just live each day and not have a list of to-dos, you know? Um, my kids are, and my wife are probably tired of me saying it, but if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time, right? So I ask you, are you in the right place with God to be able to get more from him? Is your focus me-word, or is your focus the-word, as in T-H-E-E? Where's your focus? Is, it, is your life about you? It's so easy to get caught up about me, right? I mean, my whole day is me. I'm, I'm the guy that's, that's doing it, right? So it's me all day long. But is my focus me or is it, or is it thee? And we need to make sure our focus is, is right. Sometimes it's really kind of hard to realize that that our walk with God is personal. It's, it's sometimes difficult for me to, to realize that no one's going to be holding my hand the day I stand before Jesus. It's Jesus and me. And everybody wants to hear, well, good thou... Thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. You know, everybody wants that, right? But how do we get there? How do we own that? How do we deserve that? Not that we deserve it, but how do we, you know? I, no one else is going to be there but you and him. And, and you get to watch him present your entire life to you. Good and the bad. I think, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. You know, the Blessed Life series uh, by Robert Morris, it's an outstanding series. It's a series of lessons. And uh, we, had to, we had the privilege of experiencing that a few years ago here in the church. I think Pastor Hurd led it. At that time, I was preaching in the nursing home, and, and the way our services went, we got to come to worship, and we never got to hear the word. And he presented it. And, uh, and then I volunteered to present it to those that didn't make it to his services. And we did that on a Sunday morning here, and it was, it was wonderful. God... God has challenged me through 
not only this series, but actually even prior to the series, where he wanted to what I was doing to others. And, uh, and I was challenged by a, a preacher that came and spoke at the um, Knowlton School when we were there before, after the church burned before we came in here. And, and he challenged me. He challenged all of us. I took it to heart. I don't know if anybody else did. It didn't matter to me. I, I just knew what God was speaking in my heart. He, he wanted me to give some, some money that I hadn't been looking for to give. And uh, he said, uh, try it. Um, because the Word of God said, you know, um, try me, Jesus said in his Word. And so I did. I, I talked to Charlotte and I said, I think God would like us to do this. And she said, do it. Okay. Um, I thought, well, I'll, I'll try it. So he's blessed kinds of things. But instead, I'm going to ask you a question. Pastor Heard just about took my thunder, hot dog. I don't know why you keep listening to God, but you do. <laughs> so I would like to ask you this. And this isn't for me to answer. This is for you to answer, okay? So... From this moment forward, throughout this service, things are going to be a little bit different in that it's not just going to be me speaking. You get to interact, and then I'm going to, go, I'm going to let even Robert Morris interact with us here uh, before it's all over with, and then I'll come back and uh, talk some more, because that's just what we're going to do here this morning. So I'm going to ask you this question. I have two questions. You can answer either one. The first one is, what's the most selfless thing you've ever seen anyone do? What is the most selfless thing you've ever seen anyone do? Or, what is the most unselfish thing anyone has ever done for you? What is the most unselfish thing anyone has ever done for you? I'll give you a moment to think those things through. And I'm going to ask someone to tell us what it is in your life. Again, what is the most selfless thing anyone has ever done for you? Or no, what is the most selfless thing anyone has ever, you've ever seen anyone do? The most selfless thing you've ever seen anyone do? Or the most unselfish thing anyone has ever done for you? Anyone want to uh, tell us what that might be? because he was completely on fire. And Herbie ran up to the car and pulled the boy out. And he was on fire, and I, I took my coat off and laid it on the boy to try to get the fire out. And uh, he, he did survive, but um, his face and his, his nose and his ears and everything was burnt off. Mm. And it was about... I don't know how much longer, but we got a message from him to go to the hospital and see him. And um, I don't know what kind of life he had after. I don't, I know he would scare people at, in the night. And I don't know whatever happened to him, but I couldn't believe that Herbie did that. Wow. Thank you. 
Thank you for sharing. Hallelujah. So again, what is the most selfless thing you've ever seen anyone do? Or what is the most unselfish thing anyone has ever done for you? Um, I was thinking of the most selfless thing anyone's ever done for me. It's technically two people, if that's okay. Um, about two years ago, I had to leave my house and my dad could not afford to get a house big enough to fit me. And Beth and Brenda pretty much just opened their house to me. And that was, it was just, I was so terrified of what I was going to do. And without even skipping a beat, they were just like, oh, you know what? Come live with us. And I mean, a 19-year-old girl coming into your house, I understand that's not necessarily the easiest. And I just, I thank you guys so much for that because it was truly one of the most selfless acts I've ever seen. <laughs> Anyone else want to join in the fun? I'm a coming. Um, I I just want to just happened recently to our family, but um, knowing the sacrifice and selflessness and of what it took to get Caleb where he is right now. Hmm. Wasn't anybody's responsibility to put him there or help him be there. And I know that some people probably took from their retirement money or what they had planned to do with retirement and put it towards what Caleb and sowed into his future. No blood relation at all, but just because they were obedient to the Lord. And um, I know everybody, there was quite a few people who did that, but there were some people that Dave substantially, and I know this person, could easily been something where they said, oh, you know, we've got this coming up and we've got that coming up and we're in a place in our life where we can use this for other things that are really important, which are very important. Um, but instead they selflessly gave and and he's able to be there and just dive into all that God has for him. And so I just find that so overwhelming and and so thankful for that. Yep, that was I think that's the most, <laughs> what's the the most unselfish thing that anyone's ever done. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, when I was uh, about 10 years old, I was uh, diagnosed with a cancer, with a rhabdomycia sarcoma, real aggressive cancer. And, and uh, it was several years. It was, you know, kind of touch and go. It actually, well, I, I, I've said this, I've had two divine accidents. first one was finding, <laughs> realizing I had the cancer. It was, uh, we were playing as kids on a rope swing, and my, my brother hit me in the face, you know, when I was running by accidentally, and, you know, he was swinging, you know. And it swelled up, and it was, uh, you know, they took me to the, my dad was in the Navy, so they took me to the Naval Hospital there in Massachusetts. And jumped. Like two years later, I was <laughs> playing hockey. It was a bunch of kids were playing hockey on the pond, and I got hit in the neck with a hockey stick, and that swelled up, and the cancer had gone into my lymph node gland. So they were two divine accidents that if they, you know, they wouldn't have been, they wouldn't have Hallelujah. Anyways, my mother was uh, my nursemaid, and she was <laughs> she was just uh, such a uh, <laughs> she was a good mom. Mm -hmm. She was there, and I mean, you know, it, it was. I'm sure it was difficult for her because I, I needed a lot of care, and uh, and she she was just I, I, you know I credit her. I mean, the Lord saved me, but I credit her. For, Helping God out save save my life, and uh, you know she didn't drive, and I was in sometimes in the hospital for a long period of time, and, and we lived in Massachusetts, and, and uh, 
like I said, she didn't drive, but she'd take the buses from, from Peabody where we lived. It was a little distance to the hospital in Chelsea, and she'd ride the buses and, and practically uh, every day. Mom would be there. Mm. And I'd know, because I'd hear her high heels clicking down, <laughs> down the car. If you knew my mom, she dressed to the nines, yeah. And, but, but she was there, and uh, she was just, a, a, a just you know, very selfless for our whole family, I mean, mm. for, that, for anybody. And uh, she just really, and <laughs> I remember going back for checkups after surgery. My doctor would say, I don't know what your mother's feeding you. It must be the spaghetti meatballs because you're, you're, you're healing very, very quick. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and the best part of it was she was a fabulous cook and she'd make me anything I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else? All right. Kevin loves when I draw attention to him. <laughs> um, most of you are, know this, but the most selfless thing that was ever done for me was also for Amity. And in the beginning when she had supervised visits um, through DHS, he didn't work for several years and drove her to, originally DHS was going to do all the transportation for me because they knew I was a teacher and then called me like a month in and said, if you want to keep her, you got to figure this out, but we're going to do it during the day and you have to come three times a week. So Kevin didn't work and he drove her to all the visits, even though it was hard and he had to have all this contact with a very chaotic system and chaotic people. And he went to every single doctor appointment with us for years. And when I would fall apart because I had been at court, he would take care of her or hold me together. Um, and he, it wasn't a one-time thing. It was years of just being there, being there, being there, and people making fun of him because he wasn't working a steady job and was just working part-time jobs. But he knew that he wanted to be there for Amity and I and did it anyway. He got a wife out of the deal. <laughs> And a daughter, too. Anyone else? All right. Thank you for those. You know, one of the other things that I always wanted to do, I thought when I grew up, honestly, I thought I was going to be a farmer. I really liked farming. I don't know why I thought I liked farming, but I thought I'd be a farmer. <laughs> God spoke to me today. Confirming that I am. You see, there is a, a law in his word that says this. And this is the thing that, one of the things of many things that I want you to take to heart. And that is the law of the harvest. You're going to reap what you sow. You sow discord, you're going to get discord. If you sow corn, you're going to get corn. You sow barley, you're going to get barley. You sow apples, apple seeds, you're going to get apple trees and apples to go with it. And he let me know this morning that I've been farming. We farm every day. We talk to people. We sow seeds. We water. We fertilize. God gets the increase, right? So he let me know that I am a farmer. Well, Having said all those things, I think it's in Morris to you, Pastor Morris. Um, he has some amazing things to say. And this is what I'd like to have you do. If it's possible, I'd like to have you take some notes. Which, by the way, um, after you see this first portion, uh, I'm going to come back and we're going to have some more discussion.
we aren't going to just end it and call it good. Just want to let you know, so be prepared. We're not done. When he's done, we're going to get to continue to, to speak. And uh, so I'll be doing that. So with that, uh, take a few moments, pull out paper and pen, pencil, if you can, if you would. And uh, let's get this show on the road. Welcome. Welcome to all the campuses and welcome to all the churches that are joining us. And uh, I just want to say to Gateway Church, you may not know this, but we are simulcasting uh, this series in 36 other churches have signed up. So welcome to all the churches that are watching this simulcast right now. We're glad you're here. And I'm excited about this series. I'm excited about this new year. We begin this weekend our fast. It's a 21-day fast. I want you to fast as the Holy Spirit leads you. And, but I want you to fast something. Please fast something, okay? Uh, you could fast desserts. Uh, you, you, could fa you could do a Daniel fast, which would be meats and sweets. Uh, you fast meats and sweets. In other words, fruits and vegetables. Uh, you could do a juice fast or a water fast. However the Lord leads you, please do something. I, I start, I always start the first of the year, but I always fast with you. So for me, I'll, I have to begin at midnight on December 31st. It's just something I, I've done for about 25 years now. So I, I've already started, and here, here's what I'm, I'm noticing. My, my love for the Word and my love for the kingdom and the Lord is just intensifying. I can just feel it. And, and I want you to feel that too. And I want us to enter this new year together, all right? All right, we're beginning a new series called The Blessed Life. And I want you to understand that um, the church is now, this Easter will be 15 years old. And about every three years, uh, I preach this series. This is my life message. This series came about because uh, James Robison uh, and his team asked me if I would come on their program and teach on giving because I teach give to give, not give to get. And they said it's the most balanced message we've ever heard. And if you could, if you could, uh, could you write a book? Uh, because uh, if a lot of people would like to read and not just listen to the, the CDs or the, the tapes, you know. And uh, I said, sure, um, you know, how, when do you need the book? They said, about a month. <laughs> uh, and so I went away and dictated The Blessed Life in, in three days in a tape recorder because it's, it's been in my heart for years. It's been something Debbie and I have been living and I've been preaching and teaching for years. The Blessed Life now, the book, um, uh, millions of copies, uh, I've been told 30-something languages around the world. I've given all the royalties away to this book. Uh, we've been blessed from other books. You, you know that. I don't ever try to hide that from you, that we've been very blessed financially from royalties. But we all, this book, we, the first one, we gave it to the Lord. Matter of fact, all the royalties have come to Gateway Church. And so um, it's been, it's, it's just God uses it all over the world. Here's the reason, because there's truth in this book that will change your life. I promise you. And it'll change your marriage. And it'll change your family. And it'll change your health. And it'll change your relationships. And it'll change your job. It'll change your life. It's a blessed life, not a blessed, blessed wallet. It's a blessed life. So that's what we're going to do uh, for the next seven weeks. I will preach six of these. Pastor Jimmy Evans will preach one of them. All right? So look here at Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. It says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, I just want to ask you a simple question. Uh, is the word money anywhere in those two verses? No. And, and the context is judging. Don't judge or you'll be judged. Okay? Now, I want us to commit to short-term memory the first phrase and the last phrase. 
And I'd like for you to just say it after me. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Great. This is all the campuses and all the churches by simulcast, all right? And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Say that. Now flip over to Luke 6, okay? Now let's say them one more time. Judge not, and you will not be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Okay, look at the first sentence of verse 37, Luke 6, 37. Judge not, and you will not be judged. No, you don't have to say it. I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you, though. Okay. Uh, and then look at the last sentence of verse 38. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Okay, I want you to understand this is the parallel passage, but I want to show you a verse in the middle that, in my opinion, many times the context is not understood. Okay, so Luke 6, 37 and 38. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Now look at verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put in your bosom. For, with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, let me just make a statement, and this might shock you. The word money does not appear in those verses. And yet most of the time when we hear Luke 6:38, we think about money. As a matter of fact, when we think about the word give, we think money. I was being interviewed by a magazine a while back, and they, they said, how often do you preach on giving? And I said, every week. They said, you preach on giving every week? And I said, yes. I think what you meant to ask me was how often do I preach on giving money? And that's about every three years. Every three years, I do a series on stewardship and generosity. But you didn't ask me how often to preach on giving money. You asked me how often to preach on giving. I can't preach on grace and not talk about giving because God so loved the world, he I can't preach on marriage and not preach on giving because a marriage will not work if you're not givers, if both people aren't givers. And again, not finances, not giving. Get, you understand what I'm saying? This, this applies to every area of our life. That's what we have to understand. Giving is about the heart. Here's the title of the message. I should have given it to you earlier, but the title is, It's All About the Heart. It's all about the heart. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Some people say, well, you know, they're after my money. Let me explain something to you. Yes, God is after your, not the church, God is after your money because he's after your heart. And your heart is connected to your wallet. I, I guarantee you, I've seen it. There's a string from your heart to your wallet because I've watched people when they start to reach back, oh, it just, it hurts. If God can get your wallet, listen to me, he can get your heart. And I'm not the one that said it. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart follows your treasure. You put your treasure in a stock, you put some money in a stock, you'll start going on the internet checking to see how that stock's doing, and you never checked it before. And you never cared about it before, but you care about it now because your treasure's there. Are you following me? You want your treasure in the kingdom? You, put, you want your heart in the kingdom? You put your treasure in the kingdom. Okay, so it's a heart issue because he's talking in these verses about judgment, condemnation, and forgiveness. Don't judge or you'll be judged. Don't condemn or you'll be condemned. Don't, and then he says forgive and you'll be forgiven. And then he says give. Okay, what's he saying though? Give judgment and judgment will be given back to you. And here's the part I don't hear a lot of preaching on. Good measure. Pressed down, shaking together, and running over, will men give judgment back to you. For with the same measure you give judgment, you'll get judgment back. That's the context of these verses. Judgment, condemnation, and forgiveness. Now, you can apply it to other areas because of the laws of sowing and reaping. If you give a seed, you don't just get back one seed. You get back a, a tree or a plant with many seeds. 
And that's the way God is. So whatever you give, you're going to get more back. So it'd be better to give good things than bad things because you're going to get more of it back, whatever it is. I was counseling with a lady one time, and she was a single mother, and she didn't have anywhere to leave her kids. And so she brought her kids, and we just let them. I said, please come anyway. And she just left them with the, the, uh, my assistant. We left the door open there, and uh, I was talking to her. And here's literally this is what she said. She said, my, my kids yell at me. She said, they yell at me. I, I don't know why. And then she did this. Y'all stop talking out there. <laughs> I don't know why they yell at me. <laughs> I said, Luke 6:38. give yelling and yelling will be given back to you. Good measure. Pressed. Okay. All right. Now, if you can flip Deuteronomy 15, how, how are you going to develop a heart of generosity? Well, way back Deuteronomy 15, God tells us what we need to do, four things we need to do, because it's all about the heart, all right? So Deuteronomy 15, look at verses 7 and 8. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land which the Lord your God is giving you, notice God's giving you the land, by the way. Notice the word giving. You shall not harden your heart. It's about your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother. But you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly, that would be about your heart, lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. Okay, so there are four things that we need to do if we're going to become generous givers. Here's number one. Deal with a selfish heart. Deal with a selfish heart. Look at verse 9. Deuteronomy 15, verse 9. Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart. Notice heart again. Saying the seventh year of the year of release is at hand and your eye be evil against your poor brother and you give him nothing. And he cry out to the Lord against you and it become sin among you. Notice selfishness is wickedness in God's eyes and it becomes sin. Now here's what he's saying. He's saying, um, now when your brother comes and asks to, to borrow from you, uh, you, you, you open your hand and willingly lend to him. You, you, you open your heart to him. But don't let there be this wicked or selfish thought in you that says, man, this is the, the year of Jubilee. That means all debts will be canceled. In other words, if he came and said, hey, I need to borrow some money. My crops were bad this year. And, and you thought, you know what? Six more months is the year of Jubilee. If he can't pay me back in six months, then, then uh, I have to cancel this debt. See, God implemented an economic system where all debts were canceled every seven years. How many of you would like to re-implement that economic system? Okay. So if you thought, you know, I'm not going to do this because he might not be able to pay me back. You know what God said? Don't do that. Don't think that way. And here's what he called it. He calls selfishness wickedness. He's dealing, he's telling the people of Israel, this, I don't want you to do this. I want you to be generous like I'm generous. Yeah, let me ask you a question. I asked a Bible college class this one time. Um, why did God create giving? You ever thought about that? Because God did. It's, it's, it's all through God's Word. So why did God invent or create giving? And the overwhelming answer was to support His work. And I said to them, and I want you to think about this. I said to these, these college students, I said, do you really think? I want you to think about this, because <laughs> it's funny to me. Do you really think that God needs your money to support his work? I mean, it, uh, you know, uh, it, is the light bill, you know, in heaven... Uh, you know, too big for God. They running out of gold for the streets. I mean, cattle on a thousand hill. He's running out of cow. I mean, you know what? God needs you. No, listen, God did not create giving for his sake. He created giving for your sake. Giving more than any other activity that a believer does works selfishness and greed out of our lives. This is why I don't like much of the preaching I hear on giving, because it's give to get. Give and you'll get, give and you'll get. And let me tell you what that does. It actually works selfishness and greed back in your life. 
And what do you, how do you think God feels? When, when, when a preacher preaches, give and you'll get, give and you'll get, and people say, well, I want to get. So I'm going to give. I wonder if God is thinking, well, this is great. All of my people are catching the revelation of getting. No, we need to catch the revelation of giving. Now, I do want to say um, it drives selfishness out of our lives. We have to deal with a selfish heart. I do want to just say just for a moment, ladies, that there's an area of selfishness that men never grow out of. I just want you to know, okay? We do not want to share our food. <laughs> and for some reason, you want our food. And I don't, I don't understand it. And we do not want to share our food. The very first time, Pastor Tom and Jan Lane, sitting on the front row, Jan said, I knew you were going to say this, sitting right there. The very first time I went to dinner with them, I, we were going around the table ordering. I ordered, and Jan said, oh, good. I've been wanting to try that. <laughs> I, I never even met the woman, and she wanted to eat off my plate. <laughs> and I said, well, you better order some, because that's the only way you're going to get any. <laughs> Think about it. Come on. What does every woman say? when you're at the drive-thru. What does every woman say? You say, well, would you like something? No, I just have some of yours. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> I'll buy you two orders of fries, but you're not getting any of my fries. And the fries that fall in the bottom of the bag are mine too. So point number one is deal with a selfish heart. I don't know if that's directed just to the men or to all of us, all right? Here's number two, deal with a grieving heart. Grieving heart. Now, he's talking about money. He's talking about giving. Verse 10, you shall surely give to him, give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him because for this thing, watch, for this thing, giving with the right heart, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works. That's amazing. And in all to which you put your hand. If you learn to give from the heart with the right heart, God will bless you in everything you do. That's what he just said. See, we, under, we need to understand this is a heart issue. But selfishness attacks us before we give, and grief attacks us after we give. You ever given... Uh, a large amount or made a commitment and then something breaks and the enemy comes immediately and says, see, you shouldn't have done that. He comes in. And then and grief because we, we gave. And you know, I'm sitting here. Here I am preaching this message and I had this thought just go through my mind. And after 30 years of preaching, I ought to know to just let the thought go on by. But here's the thought I had. I just thought to myself, I... I'm going out to eat after the service, and, and I, don't, I don't have any cash. I just had that thought just go through my mind, you know. I'm just, oh, wow. Wow, look, $100. Okay, I'm going to start saying those thoughts more often. Um, okay, no, let's, let's talk about that for a minute, all right? Why, when I said I, I don't have any cash, why did David get up that fast and give it to me. Let me tell you why. Because I gave it to him before the service. <laughs> it's my hundred dollars. Okay, now, he's not grieving that he gave. You're not grieving. Oh, you are a little? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not grieving because, why? Because it was mine. See, see, the reason that we grieve after we give is because we thought it was ours. And the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So when we give back to God what is already His, then we don't grieve over it. So deal with a grieving heart. Here's number three. Develop a generous heart. Develop a generous heart. Look at verse 14. You shall supply him liberally, generously from your flock. 
Watch from your threshing floor and from your wine press. Now watch this. From what the Lord has blessed you with, you shall give to him. God wants us to be generous. We were born selfish. We are born again generous. We just have to renew our minds. You think about it. You really want to be generous. Now, we, we read Luke 6 a moment ago. If we were to go back and read the context again and back up a little more, and we're not going to do that right now, but you can do that. You go back to around verse 30. Here's what it says. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes your coat, give him this too. And it's just uh, the whole context is lend to people, even hoping not to receive anything in return. What he's doing is dealing with the heart. It's the, it's the first thing we have to try to teach our children. I want you to think about that. What do you have to try to teach your children that is so hard to teach your children? Share. Share. No, we share. And what happens? A little neighbor boy comes over to play, and the neighbor boy picks up a toy. What does your boy do? Drops the toy he's playing with, runs over and says, I was playing with that. I was playing with that. Right? And the neighbor boy says, okay, so he goes over and picks up something else. Your boy runs over. I was playing with that too. I was playing with that too. Do you realize what God is saying to all of his children? When are you going to grow up? When are you going to grow up? When are you going to become like your father? That's so loved that he gave. You know, I heard a story of my... Uh, Son Josh and daughter-in-law Hannah told me a while back they have two children, Grady who's seven and Willow who's four. And they got in the car, Hannah picked them up from church and Willow said, Mommy, did you know that there was a woman in the Bible that only had two pennies and she gave both of them to God? And Hannah said, yeah, that's, that's a wonderful story. And Willow said, I want to give something to God. So Hannah said, well, pray and ask the Lord what he wants you to give. And so you could see her. She closed her eyes. Hannah was watching her in the mirror. You know, she closed her eyes. She did like this, and then she said, what? <laughs> and then she said, little baby? No, not little baby. Oh, Betty baby. Oh, yeah, you can have Betty, baby. I don't like her. <laughs> okay, that's cute. That's kids learning about giving. But at some point, you got to grow up. some point, you say, Lord, what do you want me to give? And you say, that's great. That's what I'll do. That's what I'll do. So we want to develop a generous heart. Here's number four. Develop a grateful heart. Develop a grateful heart. Back in Deuteronomy 15, look at verse 15. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Then he says this, therefore I command you this thing today. You know what he's saying? I command you to be generous. I'm commanding you. And you know on the authority that I'm commanding you is that everything you have came from me. You need to remind yourself every now and then that you were slaves. You know, every now and then I get a reminder. I leaned over to John and to David right before I came up and told them, because it happened to me yesterday. It was hard going to sleep last night. I knew the enemy was trying to attack me too because this series was beginning. But Debbie got an email from a friend of ours we went to high school with, and she said, you know, love the first conference, watched on the Internet, all this, but hate to bring bad news, but we've lost two more of our class members. She named two guys, both guys I did drugs with. One of the guys I started on drugs. And she, one of the guys died from a drug overdose, another guy committed suicide. I'm lying there last night thinking... Thank you, God, for redeeming my life out of that. For redeeming me from that type of a lifestyle. These guys now, 35 years since high school, and still, what a horrible life they must have had for 35 years. Thank you, God. You know, the Lord just reminds me, it's not hard for me to give. You understand? 
I didn't have anything. I was a slave. You, you didn't have anything either. No matter what you had, you didn't have anything if you didn't have Christ. A while back, a pastor and his wife were, uh, had heard me share our testimony on giving. And in this series, I'll share our testimony on giving. And by God's grace, Debbie and I have been able to give like many cars to people. We were able to give our first home away. Uh, we've just been able to give very extravagantly, and we love to do that. And I shared that testimony in the church, and we went to dinner with this pastor and his wife, and the wife said to Debbie, I have a question for you. And, and both of us knew the question because we've heard it many times. She said, how did you feel when your husband said he wanted to give away your house? And Debbie said, I felt great. I felt great. She said, you have to remember that Robert and I were married before he got saved. And every time he's wanted to give something extravagantly, I think, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for my new husband. And then the pastor asked her a question she'd never been asked. He said, why do you think that Robert is so generous. And I'm, I'm not trying to set myself up as an example. I know many, many people are very generous. But he said, why do you think that, I mean, he just has given so extravagantly ret retirement, savings, all these things over the years. Why do you think he's so generous? And a tear came down her cheek and she said, because he's never gotten over getting saved. He's never forgot where he came from. And he knows that everything we have came from the Lord. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Still get tears. I've seen this a bunch. It's uh, it's just so wonderful what God does, isn't it? Sowing, farming, farming in your life. Y'all are farmers like I am, sorry, but it's true. You know, what, what Robert Moore said, everything you said is, is just right on. Um, I want to go back to something that happened to me. I started to say it in the other church. Uh, there at the Knowlton School and that, that man came and he, he challenged me and I, I said I feel like God wants us to give an extra $50 every time we get paid I said Is, what do you think? and she said do it and so I did and I have and we have and the blessings of God have been so tremendous. Thirteen years ago, my wife and I were in the most debt we'd ever been in our lives. We owed for a house. We owed for two students who, whose education has, was off the charts. We were in debt. And we were managing it. We weren't stupid about it. We didn't have all kinds of credit cards. Oh, yeah, we have two credit cards, but... They're only used in emergencies. And, and this series helped me know where I was headed. I've always had a, 
a desire uh, to give anywhere I can. And God is, has opened that opportunity up more and more and more. And, uh, and he continues to bless us through that avenue. And I'm so grateful for that. So, it's so easy for us to make every, every part of our day about us instead of about him. And, and what I'd like to have you get from what Robert Morris said today is that is that, that God's blessings will be upon your life. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and overflowing as you give to Him who you are in every avenue of your life, in every avenue of your life. And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about just giving who you are to your neighbor, giving who you are to to the church, giving who you are to, to those in need. I must say, my heart has been hardened lately concerning all the people I see standing on the street looking for, for money, right? And I've given to them before. And I thought, uh, and I heard somebody say, you know how much money they're making? Some of those folks make some money. And I don't know who's who, so I need God to help me understand, you know. But, but I want to make sure that my heart is right and that my heart and my wallet aren't tied together, right? I want to make sure that my wallet is free to be utilized any way God wants it to be utilized. And that's so necessary. So it's, it's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. I know uh, earlier it was, it was said, um, if you'd like to order the book, uh, you're, you're welcome to do so, and they'll put in an, a, uh, an order today, or, or soon, and hopefully have it here next week. And... Uh, and they are roughly $10 a piece. I don't want the $10 to prohibit anybody, so I'm going to buy them all. So how many would like a book? I would like to have one. I don't have one. Truly, how many would like to have a book? I, I want to make sure everybody gets a book that wants one. Some of you may already have it. Stand right up so I can make sure without any question. Just like eating off my plate, aren't you? Huh? <laughs> You may share mine. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Did you order twenty? There are going to be people that weren't here today. They're going to wish to have a book. I want to make sure they have it. I've got all these notes here. I've got this page and this page and this page and this page and that page and that page and that page. Um, and I'm just going to give you the four verses that he gave and then we're going to go. First of all, he said, there are four key points, and I just want to give you those points again. Maybe you've already got them written down. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 15, 7 through 15 is, is really where the four points come from. The first one deals with the selfish heart. 
And that's Deuteronomy 15, 7 to 9. Deal with a grieving heart. Deuteronomy 15, 10. Develop a generous heart. Deuteronomy 15, 14. And develop a grateful heart. Deuteronomy 15, 15. Okay, maybe I lied. There are two more verses I want to give you. I didn't lie intentionally. I just happened to say something that was untrue. <laughs> Matthew 7, 1. Judge not, and you will not be judged for the same measure that you meet with all, right? I mean, his, his wording on that is so true. I think, uh, given it shall be given unto you, good measure pressed down. Everybody thinks that's talking about money. And, and yes, it can be, but it's not uh, necessarily. And uh, that was just a good word. In Luke 6, 37, judge not, and you will not be judged again. What I'd like to have you do, rather than sit here and listen to me, I'd like to have you take those verses and promise me that you'll review those this week. Pray into those verses so that the God can touch you. God can direct you. God can minister to you. Because that's what he's good at. That's what he does, right? The only issue with that is it's all about me, remember? My whole day is about me. And it's real hard for me to give that away. My time is precious, just as your time is precious. Please give some of it to God. After all, he gave it to you, right? He gave you the time. I'm still alive. He gave you the time. Give it back to him. Give him some time in these verses and pray into them. Pray into them, please, and see what God will do. Because he's a life-changing God. He's a heart-changing God. And, and I'm just so thrilled to be a part of what's happening here in this church um, concerning all of the stuff that goes on spiritually here and how God is transforming who we are into some, something more. And, and no one person here can do it on their own. We need the body of Christ to make that happen collectively. And I'm so excited to see what God is doing here. And uh, I'm, I just truly thank you from the bottom of my heart that you are here uh, and that you are here and that you care and that you love him and you serve him. And uh, give him some of your time this week. Pray into these scriptures and see what he does. Amen? Wonderful. With that.